Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Staying close to home. We feel quite safe. Yeah, we just live locally. Clarifying COVID travel guidelines to ease confusion. Sick pay delay. We need to make sure that when workers have symptoms, they're not so afraid of not being able to pay the rent. Pressing the B.C. government on a promise that some say hasn't been delivered. And vaccine hesitancy. I would have no hesitation whatsoever. How the premier responded to a question about getting his shot. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Well, with the arrival of some spectacular spring weather, there are concerns people will take advantage of some of the wiggle room in the latest public health guidance from Dr. Bonnie Henry. The province's top doctor is making it clear you should stick very close to home. But as Amadagahi reports, Dr. Henry's instructions once again came as guidance and not a formal public health order. It's now the time of year where good weather is the norm and not the exception. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of ventilation. And while Kitsilano Beach is what you'd now call COVID orderly on a Tuesday afternoon, the tendency for sunshine to draw people outside in bigger groups is perhaps why Dr. Bonnie Henry is once again reminding people what they should try and avoid this spring. So if you live in North Van, you should not be traveling to Langley or to Richmond. If you live in the lower mainland, you should not be traveling to the island. We need to only do those types of travel if it's essential and nothing more. But those instructions, again, come in the form of guidance and not as a formal public health order, which, according to some, is creating confusion. The approach that public health officials have taken in British Columbia has been largely an appeal to solidarity and um, has relied a lot on you know, individuals and families to determine what is essential or not essential. On Monday, Dr. Henry also suggested getting together outdoors with a small group outside of your household is allowed, but discouraged. Ask 10 different people, what are the expectations and the guidelines right now that we're being asked to follow? And I think you'd probably get 10 different answers. That suggestion by the BC Green leader is perhaps why on this day at Kitts Beach, some felt more comfortable playing volleyball in larger groups than others who feel better sitting a short distance away. I think the guidelines are a little bit murky sometimes. It needs to be very cut and dry, especially right now. Tuesday, Health Minister Adrian Dix tried again to clarify. If you have any question about any activity, any activity, don't do it. That's, that's how you cut through the confusion here. And those questions made their way up to the Premier today, who answered by saying that tougher travel restrictions ahead of the summer are not off the table, but did admit that they don't appear to be practical and could prove tough to enforce. Amada Gahi, Global News. And while we can't read too much into one day of COVID-19 numbers, today the situation improved slightly. We have 873 new cases 
bringing BC's total to 113,702, with 9,756 active cases. 377 people are in hospital, 116 in the ICU, 16,290 are in self-isolation, and sadly, we lost two more people. Also on Monday, nearly 37,000 vaccinations were given. Well, we are being assured tonight that the AstraZeneca vaccine is safe to use, despite Canada's first reported case of a blood clot in a vaccine recipient. As Aaron MacArthur reports, health officials here still maintain the benefits far outweigh the risks. A woman in Quebec has become the first person in Canada to have blood clots associated with the AstraZeneca vaccine. Health authorities won't give her age, but she is said to be doing well and recovering at home. When Canada hit pause on the AstraZeneca shot, the risks were clearly laid out and adverse reactions were always expected. Doctors maintain that risk is incredibly small, perhaps less than one in 100,000. Yeah, blood clots are or more, more common with just day-to-day -day living than they are with any of the vaccines. The news of this Vipit case comes on the same day U.S. authorities have paused the use of the Janssen vaccine for similar reasons. Blood clots have been found in a small group of women aged 18 to 49. Canada has already approved the vaccine for use, but isn't expecting any delivery until the end of April. We're looking at the data closely. We're learning from other jurisdictions. Certainly, as blood clot doctors, we are poised to give advice as soon as we get information. The adverse events are creating a degree of uncertainty around this type of vaccine. More Canadians now willing to wait for one of the mRNA shots. An Angus Reid poll suggests nearly a quarter of people still to be vaccinated say they will flat out refuse to take the AstraZeneca shot. And numbers in B.C. seem to back that up. Out of 271,000 AstraZeneca doses delivered to B.C., just 95,000 have been used. There are now just about 600 pharmacies province-wide with supplies. People aged 55 to 65 should be able to book an appointment easily. I've talked to um, pharmacists uh, uh, through the weekend and this week and uh, the uptake is significant. Experts say people in the age group approved to take AstraZeneca should take it. The risks of clotting minuscule compared to the risk of serious illness associated with COVID-19. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria now with details of a new poll asking about the vaccine rollout and the rumors, Keith, spreading through spam emails, text, social media. They seem to be everywhere yeah. about more restrictions or even a lockdown coming. Yeah, let's deal with that poll first. Uh, more evidence that there is rising confidence in Canada about what we're seeing with the vaccine rollout, even though it's been sort of uh, hampered by a, a slowness and an inconsistency. Nevertheless, the polling firm Ipsos did find that in British Columbia, for example, 72% of British Columbians actually uh, are impressed with what they see with the vaccine rollout. They, they support what they're looking at. 64% of Canadians actually now think that we're going to meet our targets in terms of having everyone vaccinated with at least one 
one dose by September. And finally, and this is encouraging, 75% of Canadians now say they would take a vaccine as soon as possible if one were offered for them. All these numbers are higher than they were at a similar poll in March. So it seems that public confidence is increasing. Now, back to these rumors about lockdowns and such, uh, the rumors that just won't die. Adrian Dix has, been, has said repeatedly there are no new restrictions on the horizon. Premier John Horgan waited in today. Even though he's not in charge of deciding things like curfews and such, he did offer his opinion on what he sees happening in Quebec and Ontario, and he doesn't think what he's seeing there in terms of restrictions are necessarily working. The notion of having a curfew is something that's not necessarily being particularly effective in Quebec. Uh, some of the harsher restrictions in Ontario have not seen a decline in the case counts there. We are at a new phase of the COVID uh, crisis. And our approach has been always to be nimble, to be focused on what we can do to keep people safe, what we can do to protect individuals, communities and businesses. And that's exactly what we'll do. But it re requires all of us working together. Hmm. All right. So Premier Horgan is saying new restrictions probably aren't in the cards, Keith, but we are getting new information tonight about a possible extension of the current rules in place. Yeah, the, notably the ban on in-person dining expires on April 19th at midnight. Uh, basically, Adrian Dix has said that will be extended. Today, though, we get information from the Alliance of Beverage Licensees e sending emails to their members saying, after talking with Dr. Bonnie Henry, they get the impression not only will the order be extended, but likely to be extended until after the May long weekend. That's a considerably longer time than I think a lot of people had expected. But I don't expect much more restrictions beyond that. All right, we'll see what happens. Keith, thank you. All right. All right, back to AstraZeneca for a second, because given the current hesitation some feel over that vaccine, the Premier was asked today whether he would take it publicly as a sign of confidence in the shot. I would have no hesitation whatsoever. I was more inclined to wait my turn. Uh, but if there was a value in uh, me getting the shot uh, based on advice from uh, Dr. Henry, advice from the National Committee, I would do that in a minute. Well, for more than a year now, the provincial government has been promising new rules for sick pay for all British Columbians. But as Richard Zussman reports, while that promise was repeated in Monday's throne speech, the details and timing still aren't clear, even though more businesses and jobs are being impacted by the latest health orders. It was promised a year ago, a sick day program. We have to work together on a solution and we've been doing that. But now, firmly in a third wave of COVID-19, what was promised hasn't been fully delivered. Ottawa heard BC's calls, but the federal program is filled with gaps. It only covers those who are unable to work at least half a weekly schedule and is only for those who have or may have COVID or self-isolating based on advice from public health and those with underlying health conditions. I don't have confidence in the federal government to make further changes. I wish I could say otherwise. Uh, I'm working really hard to try and get the provincial government to fill the gaps. And with the province not filling the gaps, there are workers that feel ill but haven't been told to isolate that still have to grapple with the impossible question, should I skip work and miss my paycheck? We've been worried about that for 13 months. We've been worried about that with every sector closure and with every health closure. And a new gap has emerged. The province now has the power to close businesses where there has been COVID spread. And those out of work workers aren't eligible for sick pay. A critically important issue. I believe there are appropriate programs in place. 
That appropriate program is the federal CRB. An eligible worker can receive up to $1,000 over two weeks, 900 bucks after tax, well short of an average wage, and it won't arrive immediately. The Premier needs to step up, provide the kind of supports that are necessary so that people can continue to feed their families and pay their bills at the end of the month. The impacts are far greater than financial. One sick worker opting to show up could send many others home with COVID. And the province, once again, promising help. We will have budgets uh, on the 19th and 20th, uh, one federal, one provincial, uh, where we hope to uh, see new programs to make sure that we're meeting that challenge. A solution workers hope matches the challenge of struggling to pay the bills when they miss a paycheck. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. For the second year in a row, one of B.C.'s largest cultural events is looking a lot different because of COVID. There won't be the massive crowds we're used to seeing at the Visaki parades, the celebrations and the parties. But as Catherine Urquhart shows us, that is not spoiling the celebration. A large batch of roti is prepared, along with plenty of jalebi. Just a few of the Indian delicacies being handed out in Surrey, as Sikhs around the world celebrate Visaki. Well, this year we have only uh, one station uh, outside our drive through food. People can come and eat. People can take a container of food. Typically, tens of thousands turn out for Visaki parades to mark the day, which recognizes the birth of the Khalsa. But for the second year in a row, the pandemic has meant no parade and mostly virtual festivities. Many within the community are reflecting on the ongoing farmers' movement in India. It also goes really hand-in-hand with uh, the purpose of this day and in general, the establishment of the Khalsa, which was uh, fighting against oppression, uh, you know, fighting for equality and human rights. While there is some disappointment that Visaki has been impacted for the second year, Many are looking ahead. I would like to request everyone get vaccination fast so we will be celebrate with the normal life in 2022. That's what I'm looking forward. That includes looking forward to next year's Visaki, when celebrations can hopefully return to how they were pre-pandemic. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A killer sentenced for his crimes. Even the judge described it as horrific. The family's reaction after a ruling that makes their daughter's murderer eligible for parole much sooner than they would like. That's next on the News Hour. After a solid ski season, concerns about flooding with all of that snow about to melt. Why, it's a little too early for sandbags yet. Coming up. And a sea lion goes on a road trip. How this one ended up a long way from the coast later. Right now, though, the Burnaby man who pleaded guilty to stabbing his ex-girlfriend more than 40 times before deliberately crashing his car trying to cover up the crime will serve at least 15 years in prison. Last month, Jan Popel pleaded guilty to the second-degree murder of Nicole Hasselman. He received a life sentence, but as Grace Key reports, the victim's family is still disappointed. They know that the justice 
doesn't exist in this country. The family of 34-year-old Nicole Hasselman, who also went by Porcello, says justice has not been served. A judge ruled Jan Popel can be eligible for parole in 15 years, what Crown had asked for. Popel pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, which carries a mandatory life sentence. The judge called his actions callous, cruel, and self-absorbed, but also says he has demonstrated remorse. It made me sick to my stomach. Because if he was remorseful, he would show a tear in his eye. He would show any upsetting. He looked like he was out for lunch when he came last time into the courtroom. The two had been dating on and off for seven years. In November 2018, Popol stabbed Nicole 47 times in his car. Then he went home, paid some bills, and bought a dishwasher online while she was left dying in the car. A couple of hours later, he sped along the Barnett Highway and crashed into two light poles. Nicole was ejected from the car and pronounced dead in hospital. He viciously, viciously tortured Nicole at 31 years old and in 15 years, which is 46, he could actually be walking these streets. Is that what we want um, in our country? I don't believe so. A social media campaign reads, Nicole's son will never hug her again. Nicole leaves behind a 12-year-old boy. She worked with special needs students at Templeton Secondary in Vancouver. Grace Key, Global News. Still to come, the dream of a new mountain resort in the Lower Mainland. It's really a remarkable opportunity. Competing plans to build a gondola and a whole lot more above Bridal Veil Falls. And later, a confrontation recorded on camera after what one man says was a racist attack on his child. High above Lowheat Highway in Coquitlam, where the good news is cleared that stalled vehicle that was just before Como Lake. The bad news is traffic is still backed up solid from United on the approach. Time to renew your home insurance. Switch to BCAA for local knowledge, customized coverage, and valuable ways to save. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Lowheat Highway and Como Lake. Works to turn the Fraser Valley into a major ski destination. A proposed development would be bigger than the three North Shore ski hills combined. But as Ted Chernecki reports, that idea is just taking shape and it already has some competition for the site. On a warm spring day like this, nothing beats a hike up to the refreshing splash of Bridal Falls. And for those who find the ascent just too much, you might soon be riding BC's newest gondola similar to the Sea to Sky operation near Squamish. We're much more than the Sea to Sky gondola. So we're actually going to be two sightseeing gondolas, uh, two alpine villages, and the ultimate destination of a, a ski resort, uh, an all-seasons resort that can service, you know, in theory, up to uh, a million people a year. So not at all like Sea to Sky. Some of the players involved this time pitched a similar idea called Resorts West BC 20 years ago. This time, they're working with Brent Harley and Associates, a resort design company out of Whistler. This proposal, if approved, would be bigger than Cypress, Grouse, and Seymour combined. The Bridal Vale Mountain Resort Project is in the very early stages. Proponents haven't even presented their ideas to Chilliwack Tourism or to the area's First Nations, but they intend to. It's really a remarkable opportunity because the we have the ability to develop out a whole new destination ski resort, uh, all-season resort, in concert and consultation with First Nations, and that's really not been done before. 
This isn't the only gondola idea vying to open up Mount Chiem's Alpine. BC's former tourism minister is working in support of the Bridal Falls Gondola Corporation. It's four years into its proposal, and theirs would be more like the Sea to Sky, seasonal sightseeing and hiking operation. The footprint associated with the project that I'm advising is much smaller, much lower uh, environmental impact, but still very significant economic benefits and jobs. It's modeled on the project at the Sea to Sky gondola uh, in Squamish. In fact, one of the original co-founders of that project is the driving force behind this project here at Bridal Falls that I'm assisting. We've all seen how successful the Sea to Sky gondola has become. Too successful for someone who has cut the high-tension cable twice. You can expect some pushback in Chilliwack, too. We reached out to tourism Chilliwack and First Nations groups, but neither would comment on this latest proposal, saying it's far too early. Ted Chernucky, Global News. A lot of people might be thinking about getting outside. It's shaping up to be a gorgeous week. First big warm-up of the season, and that means our attention is turning to the potential for flooding. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now. And Christy, what are the folks at the River Forecast Center telling us about what we should expect? Well, Chris, as you mentioned, at first big warm-up, temperatures are going to soar into the mid-20s for the first time this year. And thanks to La Nina, we really have a healthy snowpack. So we're certainly keeping our eye on the flood situation. It really kicks off right now. Now, the first thing that forecasters look at is the snowpack, because anytime you have a near-normal or even just slightly below-normal snowpack, there is a risk for flooding. So as of April 9th, Three quarters of the province highlighted in blue there are above or well above normal, 146% in the central coast region. Now, thankfully, much of the southern interior that you see in green experienced an unusually dry March. So the snowpack is closer to normal in that region, but that doesn't mean they're in the clear. Now the biggest concern is the weather, of course. Now, the worst case scenario would be that if it stayed cold right into May, for example, and that really holds or keeps that snowpack. And then in late May, when the days are longer and warmer, you get a big warm-up and uh, a prolonged warm-up and maybe even potential of a big warm rain. That would be the worst case scenario. So what we're seeing right now with a warm-up earlier in the season is actually some good news. And then also the overnight temperatures can still be pretty cold, especially in the mountaintops uh, uh, in mid-April. So you don't necessarily see the snow melts occurring through the evening, whereas once you get into mid-May, you'll have temperatures that are um, uh, several degrees above normal, even for the low temperature overnight. And that really kickstarts and initiates that uh, dramatic build of uh, the snow melt. So we'll see some healthy snow melt, but most of it will be over lower elevation regions. So really, those are the areas that the River Forecast Center will be concentrating on in the short term, in particular the Caribou region, because during the winter, the groundwater flows actually remain pretty high. So that area is quite saturated. Areas that may see the first impact might be uh, the, the West Road River, Nazco area, or the Bonaparte River around uh, Cache Creek or, or the Nicola, um, also in around Williams Lake. So lower elevation sites will, will be exposed next week from this initial warm spell. 
And here's a great example of that. This is actually the latest model data from the San Jose River, which is near Williams Lake. They'll be watching this one closely, and it's showing a significant increase by early next week to a potentially a one in 20 year uh, return rate. So we'll be looking at that very closely, Chris. And of course, we'll be keeping you posted in the days and weeks ahead as we head throughout the season. All right. Thanks very much, Christine. We'll check in with you a little bit later on the news hour here as well. Beautiful sun out there this mm -hmm. afternoon. Looks good. Still ahead, a confrontation caught on camera. He called my nine-year-old daughter a terrorist. A father comes to his daughter's defense after an alleged racist verbal assault. Also coming up, what jilted passengers stand to get from the Air Canada bailout. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, brought to you in part by the BCTF, our kids and their teachers, worth investing in. A flipped semi in Surrey once again has southbound Scott Road blocked at Old Yale. Time to renew your home insurance. Switch to BCAA for local knowledge, customized coverage, and valuable ways to save. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a flipped semi in Surrey. And Surrey RCMP are investigating a disturbing incident inside a busy supermarket of a man allegedly making racist comments to a nine-year-old girl. A nine-year-old daughter, you call her a terrorist. Yeah. Oh. A little girl. He called my nine-year-old daughter a terrorist. It apparently happened Sunday inside the superstore in the 7500 block of King George Boulevard. The little girl was with her family when they say she was approached by the man who allegedly made the derogatory comments. Surrey RCMP say they have spoken with witnesses and they've seized video evidence of the incident. They say they've also identified the man and he is known to police. These kind of comments are very upsetting. Uh, the, the family was very angered and upset by what happened. I'm sure that the public as well will be upset, but we do want everyone to know that we don't tolerate these types of um, comments and activities, and we are taking this very seriously. We have identified the person. We will be continuing to investigate, and then we'll be forward a report to Crown Council. Victim Services is now dealing with the family. The suspect was detained at the scene, but is not currently in custody. On Friday, a global news investigation revealed that a murder case collapsed after concerns about the behavior of the integrated homicide investigation team when it came to the seizure of evidence. But since then, no one wants to say much about what happened and how many other cases might be in peril. Ramina Dea now with the latest on the pursuit for some answers. How many homicide cases are potentially in jeopardy because of the stunning Supreme Court Gill decision? From the government to IHIT, no one is answering specific questions. The uh, independent uh, prosecution uh, service is currently uh, doing a review, and until that review is complete, I'm not able to make any further comments on the issue. Uh, we did provide a statement last Friday. Uh, to this very matter. Right, but a statement's but I, I not an interview, yeah. Sergeant. We need an interview so that questions can be asked and answered by the appropriate levels at the top. Samandeep Gill was acquitted of second-degree murder and attempted murder last month in connection to a deadly road rage shooting involving a newlywed couple in Surrey a decade ago. The case crumbled after crucial Crown evidence was thrown out last month. 
alleged audio of the shooting, captured on a cell phone, seized by police from Gill's home, deemed inadmissible. Court evidence from former IHIT officer Staff Sergeant Gorgachuk revealed there were likely hundreds of files impacted by the blanket non-compliance policy while it was in effect from 2007 to 2014. IHIT was warned about that policy by a justice of the peace in 2007 who said officers should not be ignoring Section 490 of the Criminal Code, which states police must get an extension order from the court if they are to hold evidence beyond 90 days, despite advice by three legal experts, two senior Crown counsel and the RCMP's own lawyer. The practice continued according to court evidence. After no response from IHIT for days to our request for an interview, we approached Sergeant Jang after a media availability Tuesday morning on an unrelated IHIT case. There was no policy. Put whatever label you want on it. Policy, uh, directive, those were the words used in the court by the judge. So we've been patient. We've been waiting since last week for an interview. And I appreciate your patience. I'm going to ask for a little bit more, and I will certainly get back okay, to you. Okay, we're Thank standing you so much. by. Thank you. IHIT is now confirming Tuesday afternoon it will not be doing an interview because this matter is under review. Wayne Rideout, the former officer in charge of IHIT, is also not talking. Rideout is currently the director of police services for the province. Romina Dea, Global News. The feds and Air Canada have reached a deal that includes nearly $6 billion in financial support to help the struggling airline rebuild from COVID-19. Among the conditions, guaranteed refunds for flights cancelled due to the pandemic. Our consumer reporter Andrua is here with more on who is eligible to get their money back. And Thanks, Sophie. Thousands of travelers stuck with vouchers have waited a long time for this day. The new policy covers customers who purchase non-refundable fares for flights that were canceled or, or who voluntarily canceled their travel due to COVID-19 since February of 2020. As part of the deal, the government program is offering a credit line of up to $1.4 billion to allow Air Canada to refund travelers. The airline says eligible customers with tickets for travel on or after February 1st, 2020 can get a refund by submitting a request online until June 12th or with their travel agent. The revised COVID-19 refund policy covers tickets and Air Canada vacations packages purchased before today for flights cancelled by the airline or by the customer for any reason. If you already have an Air Canada travel voucher, Aeroplan points, conversion or e-coupon, you can request a refund of your original form of payment by filling out a form online. It is not really a win in the sense that consumers are getting back their own taxpayers' money. It is not actually the shareholders who are paying the refunds, as it seems. So uh, it may be a relief on the short term, but in terms of actually uh, getting back your money, well, you're getting back your tax dollars, essentially, and not the money that you pay the airlines and which the shareholders have used up.
Airline has also revised its booking policies for future travel. As of today, if Air Canada cancels or reschedules flights by more than three hours, customers will be offered one of three options, a refund, a travel voucher, or the equivalent value in Aeroplan points with a 65% bonus. In terms of COVID refunds, travelers should make the request through the original point of purchase. If you book through an online travel agency like Expedia, contact them directly. If your travel agency has permanently shut down, Air Canada says its agents will assist you. The airline also says refunds can take one to three months to show up in your account, depending on your financial institution. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. In Health Matters tonight, doctors at Toronto General Hospital have performed something historic, the first double lung transplant on a COVID-19 patient in Canada. 61-year-old Timothy Sove from Mississauga was in good health before he caught the virus at the end of last year. It ravaged his lungs so severely, the doctor who performed the surgery says a transplant was the only option. His lungs uh, had the same type of uh, injury and destruction as we see in many of the patients that um, we treat uh, in our ICU. And the lungs, even uh, after having significant injury, they can recover to a you know, normal or near normal function. So we only consider for transplantation or patients that were fairly certain that that lung won't get any better. Um, and, and, and that's the way that, or the only way that that patient can be saved. The operation was in February and Sove is recovering very well. An old dog pulls off an incredible trick. She decided to take herself for a walk, but Sheba can't see and she can't hear. So that walk turned into a scary 10 day ordeal. How it all ended later. And sea lions apparently can get lost too. How this one ended up on the back roads of Vancouver Island. Here's the Wines of BC question of the day. How many geographical indications or wine regions does BC have? A. 5 B. 11 C. 9 D. 15 We'll be right back with the answer. Answer to today's Wines of BC question is... C. BC is home to nine distinct wine regions. Much like the province itself, BC's wine regions are pristine, beautiful, and unique. Just, I might add. All right. Uh, Christy Gordon joins us once again with a look at that weather forecast. More of what we see behind you, Christy. Yes, in fact, right through it looks like potentially until Wednesday. It looks like this ridge is really holding strong. Here's a look at the numbers. 19 degrees away from the water in Metro Vancouver out through the Fraser Valley as well. Downtown 17 degrees, 19 in Port Alberni and Squamish was up to uh, 21 degrees. So sensational conditions, that's for sure. Uh, when we look at the interior regions, also low to mid to uh, teens. Lillooet though hit 19 degrees and so did Hope. So here's a look at the trend. We will see a little bit of 
of a disturbance move into the northeastern portion of the province and then track down south as we head into Sunday and Monday. But overall, you can see nothing really changing this pattern. So no westerly flow moving in. Everything's driven way north of us. So here's a look at the warm-up on the way for the central Okanagan. We're still talking about 9 to 10 degrees above seasonal. Now, this will not likely be record-breaking. For Metro Vancouver, though, areas away from the water, potentially record-breaking there, but certainly not at, at the airport. We're not expecting uh, record-breaking conditions. Nonetheless, if we do break any records, we will keep you posted. We've got lots of warmth to enjoy, 25 degrees potentially by Saturday away from the water. And here's tonight's central windows, weather window. Darlene's nine, or sorry, 10-year-old granddaughter uh, took this photo, and I love it when you can actually see the pollen on the bee's legs there. Thanks so much for, to Darlene for that one. Amazing shot. Thank you, Christy. A bee doing its thing, and now a story of a sea lion that definitely wasn't. Drivers have experienced a series of strange wildlife sightings on a remote logging road on Vancouver Island. One of them, this sea lion spotted on the road outside of Holberg near the northern tip of the island. What's so strange is the animal was at least six kilometers away from the ocean. After several sightings and some aggressive behavior from the sea lion, it's believed he has now re-entered a local river to make his way back to salt water. We think he was probably in the creek and probably foraging on some fish in there and and was followed followed up the creek, um, probably good good foraging opportunity, and then uh, just got disoriented. And some of these creeks have flatter areas where it's more marshy, and maybe got just disoriented, and then um, ended up, as I say, seven kilometers away from the ocean. <laughs> wow! All right, Squire joins us now. I'm a little jealous because uh, Soph and Christy are going sleeveless. It's something you and I can't do, but. What's going well, on we could. Well, you could. I mean, no, I mean, one, oh, no one's yeah. actually stopping. Believe me, if I did it, <laughs> channels would be changing immediately. Um, every golfer dreams of playing at Augusta, and nine-year-old Anna Wu of Victoria did just that. It's very greenish. Yes, it is. And she was very good in the drive, chip, and putt contest she played there before the Masters. And coming up later, the strange adventures of Sheba, the blind and deaf dog, and how she was rescued after being lost in the weeds for 10 days. Canucks COVID watch continues. It's starting to thin out a bit, the COVID list, but there are still enough guys on it that uh, they won't be able to have a full practice tomorrow. They were hoping to have a regular practice tomorrow, but it's now being moved to Thursday as guys slowly make their way back from COVID. Um, what they have been doing for the players who are able to skate, they skate by themselves at designated times. 14 guys were skating today. Uh, they're supposed to play Friday against Edmonton, but the way things are going, that sounds a little too soon, but it's still on the schedule at the moment. Hey, 1,000 games for Milan Lucic. There was a time when a lot of guys thought he couldn't play in the NHL. He's played 1,000. This is how he celebrates, by having a fight. Now, that is pure Lucic against uh, Steve Scott Sabaran, make that of the Leafs. At one point in this game, the Flames were up 2-1 to one on that goal by Elias Lindholm, but now it's 2-2 in the third period between Calgary and Toronto. Uh, remember that great shift Lucic had in the Memorial Cup for the Vancouver Giants? There will be no Memorial Cup this year as expected. That's the second straight year it's been cancelled. The Quebec League has been playing their season in fits and starts. The WHL, of course, playing a short season within the divisions. The OHL hasn't played at all. 
James Paxton season. Barely started with Seattle, and then it ended. He'll have surgery on his pitching arm, specifically the elbow, which will mean the Ladner native will not play any more this year. Injuries have been a constant problem for Paxton, who was an excellent pitcher when healthy. We'll stay in Seattle. Last year, because of COVID, the Seahawks' off-season workouts were all done virtually. And all the players said today they only want to do virtual workouts this year, too. So they are not going to be coming to the Seahawks facility next week for any in-person workouts. Last year, you know, we did a virtual off-season. Nobody expected it to happen. And it worked out perfectly fine throughout all the adapting and all the stuff that took place. We ended up finding a way to be able to make it happen to where throughout the season there was no COVID cases. So Christine St. Clair today for Canada against England and women's soccer. No problem. Watch this goal. I've not seen this before. The England keeper, Karen Bardsley, obviously doesn't hear Michelle Prince coming towards her. Nichelle is extremely stealthy. No awareness and uh, nope, that's a goal for Canada. Kick it now, kick it now. Not, no, okay. Canada wins by the score of two to nothing. Well, if you have the money, you can pay to play golf shrines like Pebble Beach in California and St. Andrews in Scotland. But in order to play Augusta National in Georgia, you need to be special. And Victoria's Anna Wu is special enough to have competed at Augusta, and she's only nine years old. Anna Wu will go next from Victoria, British Columbia. Anna Wu just finished living every Canadian golfer's dream, striping balls at Augusta National. Wu, one of three Canadians who represented Canada at the Drive Chip and Putt Championship. It was pretty exciting and I was kind of nervous to be on a very famous golf course. The nerves are understandable when you're in the same company of two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson. You'd never know it, though. The nine-year-old short game making everybody green with envy as she won the chip portion part of the competition. Oh, hello. Yeah. Well. <laughs> what was your favorite moment of the Drive, Chip, and Putt Championship? Um, the one that I chipped it in. Phil Mickelson watched your chip during that portion of event. He called your shot and you're brilliant. Did you see his comment? Uh, I just saw his tweet and I was like, wow, Phil Mickelson tweeted on me. It was kind of <laughs> exciting, mainly because I never got like a pro to like tweet about me. So it was kind of awesome. Everybody at Royal Colwood Golf Club in Victoria knows all about Anna. It's here where she first took up the game three years ago. Last year, she won the Junior Ladies Club Championship, shooting a career-low 81. It's just very exciting. We knew she was in a good place going there. Um, she puts in a ton of hard work, so um, we, we knew she was going to do well regardless, but uh, to, to, see, to see some of those special things happen is just unbelievable. Anna had a whole year to prepare for Augusta National as last year's competition was cancelled because of COVID. Be it playing or practicing, she's got a club in her hand pretty much every day of the week and she loves every second of it, as evidenced by her impressive second place finish. Right now she, she can beat her grandma. 
<laughs> so you finished second this year. Are you going to try to get back to Augusta next year to compete again? Sometimes you can overlook yes. it. 100%. <laughs> Jay Janower, Global Sports. So I love the story and I'm envious as well. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, we all are. Thanks, Squire. All right, here's Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11. Thank you, Chris. We'll hear from the president of BC's Alliance of Beverage Licensees, who met with Dr. Henry today. And tonight, he says current restrictions on indoor dining will continue past April 19th. Plus, we're watching an accident in Surrey. A tractor trailer flipped along Scott Road near Old Yale Road, spilling its load of industrial pipes. Plus, we'll tell you about a unique new video project trying to lift spirits on the North Shore. We'll have those stories and more coming up tonight at 11, Chris. They can really use it. Okay, thanks very much, Jay. Up next, the chance encounter that reunited a Surrey woman with her best friend. Stay with us. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's a remarkable, happy ending to a lost dog story that had all the makings of a personal tragedy. 16-year-old Sheba is back home tonight after being lost in South Surrey for 10 days. That's right. The dog is blind and deaf, and her fragile condition made it all the more agonizing for her owner. Linda Aylesworth reports. Been my family for a long time. Sherry was just a teenager when Sheba, a bounding lab cross puppy, came into her life. That was 16 years ago. So the bond they share is a deep one. Going camping or hiking, it's her favorite thing to do. She, she's my sidekick. <laughs> 100%. She's always by my side. Until on the evening of April 1st when she was not. Sheba had slipped out the back gate. With Sheba being 16 years old, she's nearly entirely blind and deaf. So it's very, very hard to call her back or anything like that. Nighttime or not, Sherry's tight-knit South Surrey neighborhood soon rallied behind her. I had neighbors on bicycles, others walking their dog, hoping that their dog would find her. That night, I probably there was probably about 30 people out searching for her. Hundreds of posters soon plastered the neighborhood, but as the days passed, hope faded. At about day seven, I, I hate to say it, but I was pretty defeated and thought if and when I was going to find her, it wasn't going to be a good ending. Enter Nicole and Calixto, who, 10 days after Sheba went missing and unaware of the situation, decided to go to the area to take in the sunset. We were walking and then I looked to the right and I saw this dog in the brambles just staring into the sunset. And I was like, I think that dog needs help. And then that's when we climbed in and found Sheba sitting there without her collar. Calixto gathered Sheba's shivering body into his arms and hiked back up to the car. I saw on a telephone pole 
uh, flyer and I said, oh, Nicole, go check out that flyer and see if that has anything to do with us. And, and uh, it happened, happened to be, be her. And that was when Sherry got the call she had all but given up on. I honestly, I was in a bit of disbelief. Even when she approached the car, she was still kind of like looking, you know, and didn't quite see. And then she got her head in the car. And- the second I saw through the door that it was her, I just, I broke down in tears and dropped and was a big bawling baby. It was like a really good feel-good moment. When we saw her there, we knew like our plans to watch the sunset were out the window and we were going to get this dog either some help or get it home. It was like the best Christmas birthday miracle ever. (laughs) Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Nice. Story with all of us too. How often do you see the poster on the fence or on the pole and wonder and look and you never mm-hmm. find the dog and in this case it worked out yes nice end to the story all right quick always a happy ending mm-hmm. <laughs> happy ending to the newscast christy Yes, well, happy ending. I mean, as far as we can see, we're expecting sunshine and warmth. It may not be until the middle part of next week that this breaks down. So no complaining about the heat, everyone. (laughs) This is a welcome change for everyone. Have a good night, folks.